Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. We all experience loss and betrayal in life and in ministry. In fact, Jesus told us that in this life, in this world, we would have tribulation, which literally means pressing or pressure. And so how we respond to these things will determine the outcome spiritually in our lives. When things come against us, we have an opportunity to let them destroy us or to let them strengthen us. In this episode, I'm going to share an example with you of an incident that happened in my life and how the Lord helped me through it. So I pray that it'll bless you and let's get started. Last week, I shared a clip with you from one of our School of the Spirit hours in Manila that took place more than 10 years ago. I'm always amazed at how fresh God's Word is in every season. He's speaking through His Spirit in every generation, and as we learn to hear and receive His Word spiritually, we become part of this great movement that He has created. He's moving throughout history Peter called it the times of restoration of all things in Acts chapter 3. Let me read that to you from the New Living Translation, Acts 3, 19 through 21. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So it's when we connect with God as a people, understand his purposes, and obey that the kingdom moves forward. Times in his presence, as Peter said, bring refreshing, renewing, reviving, restoring, And this has always been a focus of our teaching ministry is helping people to learn to connect and move with him because moving with him, there's a grace to it and it's not hard. Like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not hard or harsh or pressing. And the message Bible says to learn the unforced rhythm of grace And we will learn that as we learn to walk and move with Jesus. So the move of God in every generation has a focus and a purpose. And when we're walking in the move of God and when people are hearing and responding and obeying, the kingdom gains momentum. There is a forward motion against the friction of the world and the works of the enemy. Now, momentum is defined as mass times velocity. And so, spiritually speaking, what are the elements of the mass of the kingdom? Well, one element would be numbers of people, and another element would be the glory of God, because the glory of God has heaviness, it has weight. And so, those two things work together. 
you know, you don't have to have a large group of people to make great impact against the enemy. A small bullet can do a lot of damage if it's moving fast. And at the same time, you could have a large truck or a large bus that has come to a stop, and it's going to take a lot of force to get that moving again. And so you can have a big group of people that have gone lukewarm, and it takes a lot to get that the spiritual momentum built up in that group of people. So your life has momentum in the Spirit, and churches have momentum in the Spirit. We had a period of about three years in that Bible school where God was downloading spiritual things in a mighty way, and it was creating tremendous momentum. At that time, we had about 16 lead pastors in the school as students, as learners, as well as a number of missionaries working with us, the pastoral staff teaching in the school, and administrative staff, and a volunteer staff. So we had a lot of people working together going one direction. And our church was doing a great work in every ministry. We were just a part as the Bible school. But I have found that the spiritual unity and passion of the leadership team is vital to keep a church moving forward. And I believe that the School of the Spirit, the SOS times that we had, were helping to facilitate that because we were praying together we were worshiping together, and we were seeing the same things. So when there's momentum, there's growth inside and out, and the momentum of the church is linked to the awakening of peoples and even nations. As the move of God in our church gained mass and velocity, people, individuals, were spiritually awakening to their calls. I remember one student who was a new believer And she told us she came into the Bible school because she saw the church advertisement during service and just felt in her heart that God was calling her. She was very hungry and she grew rapidly. And this eventually affected her husband, who joined the following year. This couple grew together as a family and eventually went to the mission field. You know, God wants to awaken believers to their callings. And there are many kinds of callings, not just the mission field. There are callings to business, callings to the different outreach in the community. But our unity and desire and spiritual passion as a group, as a community, will create forward motion that facilitates awakening of calls. So I taught a couple of weeks ago about being in the right place at the right time. There have always throughout history been times When God is able to speed things up and deposit vision into groups of people together, and this will happen when we gather with one heart and passion for Him. We talked previously about the power of one accord and how our corporate commitment to the presence of God will bring His empowerment for the vision that He gives us. So this was taking place in our Bible school over this three-year period, And what the leaders were catching was filtering down through the ministries and rapidly, exponentially increasing as many others received revelation and knowledge of the word. I've learned to love these accelerated times. Kairos times is the Greek word, appointed times. It seems so easy to hear from heaven in the atmosphere that is created during times like this. This should be our desire personally and corporately, to be always aware and on the cutting edge of what God wants us to speak and do, because that will create this kind of an atmosphere. 
For three years, we were moving forward in a powerful way. But as we know, God is a God of increase and growth, and so things never remain the same. I remember one graduation, as I sat down to the table for the meal we were sharing, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, enjoy this, because this will be the last time you will experience it. Now, when I say I felt him say that, I mean it was like an impression, an inner voice, and I wasn't even sure that it was him. Again, when we hear these things, they kind of pass through our heart, and we wonder, like, was that God? Did I hear that? And shortly after this, my pastor called me into his office, and one of our Filipino pastor leaders was with him, and he explained that they were closing their Bible school in the province and in the future would be bringing all the leaders from all the satellite churches here to the base to be trained. And he told me that this other pastor would be working into the leadership. And what I thought I heard him say was, Tony, we need you now here more than ever. And so I was excited about that, and I returned home to the U.S. Now, what I'm going to share here next, I have to qualify. I have to give a disclaimer. (laughs) This is my perception. You know, This may not be the truth according to what other people experienced, and this is how it is with life. We perceive things from our view, and yet what we do feel and perceive, we experience. And so I'm not looking here to condemn or accuse anyone for what took place, but I am sharing it as an example of things that the enemy will do in your mind and in your life to try to stop the movement of God in your family, in your ministry, and in churches. So I went to the U.S., and a couple of weeks after I returned home, I received a strange email. It basically said that, and it was addressed to me, who was the director of the Bible school, but it said it was an open letter to everyone saying they were revising and revamping the entire school program, the office, the staff. And I was somewhat shocked, and I responded by reaching out to my pastor and asking him what was going on. And what he told me was, look at the letter. I did not sign that letter. And I looked, and it had come from someone on the executive team. But still, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Now, what I suspected then, and I still suspect, is that people had said things behind my back to discredit me, maybe to get me out of the position. Or possibly it was some ambition on the others that were rising up that wanted to get going and change everything rapidly. All I know is that at my original yes to the assignment years before, I had asked my pastor to back my leadership and not let others go directly to him and cut me out asking for teaching assignments, favor, etc., because I knew there was a potential of that happening and that it would be impossible for me to build and lead if other people were doing that. And pastor had agreed to that. And so I had also told my pastor previously that there was no way I was going to jump ship or leave the assignment until it was time. When it was time, I was ready to move out of the way. And so this is why I was so confused. They had, as I heard from my staff through various communication at this time, they gathered them together, let some of them go, began giving different directions, and my team was so confused, messaging me, asking me questions at what was going on. And I was very disappointed in this, and I felt betrayed. Remember now, I hadn't been paid for any of my time over those past three years. I mean, not paid from the church. 
it was my service to God. It was my mission and assignment at that time as a missionary. And the people who were there were my former students and really dear friends, those, the ones who were rising into leadership. So I didn't understand why no one had talked to me before I left, why they were changing everything without even asking me how or why we had been doing it that way. And I had a lot of back and forth communication with my pastor who kept encouraging me that my role was changing. And finally, it got to the point where he said, Tony, as your pastor, I am just telling you, you need to come back. Honestly, some people think I'm not very submissive, but I am in my heart. And I obeyed my pastor. I did that. And upon my return, I found what I was suspecting was true. They had actually removed all of my classes from the schedule, the ones that I particularly taught. They weren't planning for my return. So the point I'm making here is that there comes a time in every one of our lives when we're going to be betrayed or at least feel betrayed. If it happened to Jesus, it will happen to you. So don't be surprised. You're going to feel pain, hurt, confusion, even anger. That's a given, but what you do with it is what really matters. Now, I would have had every reason to be angry and offended. After all, I'd sown and given into that movement, into that school, and I could have decided not to go back or, worse than that, started gathering people to my side and creating a rebellion. But after all that God had done, no matter how I personally felt, I couldn't damage the move of God in the people. I was a leader, and people were looking to me. And if I had allowed my emotions to triumph, followers would have been hurt and displaced. Some were displaced anyway by the rash actions of the new regime. When I went back, I went face-to-face with the people who had instigated this. And, of course, that's never easy to confront people, especially in a situation where you've been hurt. But we teach from Matthew 18, Jesus taught this, about going to the person who hurts you and not to everyone else to talk about the situation. Let me read that to you in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, I love this because there's a process here. God says, or Jesus said, first go to the person. And if you're not getting anywhere, take an an impartial person with you or someone with you so that they can help mediate. And if that still doesn't do any good, then you maybe need to get the church leadership involved. And if that won't do any good, what do you do? Let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Well, what does that mean? We don't hate the unsaved or the tax collectors. We're not to hate people. We may have to distance ourselves from people if we can't get things worked out. Now, why does Jesus give us this instruction? I have found through my life and history that 99% of the time, what you're thinking is not even correct. In this case, even though the people I went to and confronted apologized, I don't remember anyone saying that I was incorrect in my assumptions of what were going on. They were probably surprised that I came back and faced the music. So for the next whole year, I was called the director. 
but I was not directing. They respected me, they included me, but I still felt that decisions were being made that were slowing down the momentum. There is a saying that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so when things are moving forward, this was just what I saw at the time and what I still believe. When we're doing things that are creating momentum, don't change what you're doing. You change things for a purpose. You change things to go higher. And you also have to be very careful how you change things, especially in a transition, because people are involved and people don't like change. And so people get confused. People will stall out in their forward motion, which stops the forward motion of the movement. And again, when you're talking about a large organization like the one we were involved in, if it stops, it's going to take a lot to get it going again. And so no one would come to me and say, hey, we're thinking about changing this. What was your thought? Why were you doing it this way? So it's kind of like they were going backwards and maybe going to learn stuff that we had already learned. And this was distressing to me. I felt that the proper way would have been to talk with me. And at least I could have an opportunity to be a part of the decision making. But we didn't have a very smooth transition at that time, although it was peaceable. And it was peaceable only because I refused to be offended. We have to think bigger, my friends, than ourselves when we're betrayed and hurt. There are others who are affected by our actions and our words. And I can honestly say that I was in my heart, more concerned with the plan of God going forward than my own vindication. Offense is one of the things that will stop or slow the momentum of God in our lives. When we commit to Jesus, we commit to his body. And people aren't perfect, but neither are you. So we must understand that there are higher things to reach for than just soothing our own ego. Isaiah 40, verse 3 through 5 The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert or dry place a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So as leaders, as believers, but as leaders especially, it's our responsibility to remove obstacles for the move of God. Isaiah 62.10 says, Go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the people. Listen, there's no perfect marriage, there's no perfect ministry, there's no perfect church. There will always be conflict. It's what you do with the conflict that matters. So if you've experienced a betrayal of any kind, whether or not you took the high road, as I just explained, God wants you to be free of obstacles personally, and he wants your church or ministry, the move of God in your place, to be free of obstacles. So what shall we do? Number one is make a choice to forgive. Listen, forgiveness is not a feeling as much as it is a decision, a decision to let things go. Number two, ask the Lord whether you need to go to the person or not, depending upon the time frame. You know, there was a time when the Lord was dealing with in my heart about some things from my childhood. And I remember going to my mom and, you know, telling her, mom, you know, you did this, you did that, you did that, but I forgive you. 
And at the time, I think it just kind of blindsided her because she had no clue of any of it. And later I thought to myself, that was unnecessary. I probably just should have kept it between me and the Lord. And so you got to ask the Lord, is it necessary? And many times in a current situation, it is that you go to the person. But sometimes if it's things in the past, you can just let it go to the Lord and you can be free and they can be free. And number three, actually it sounds hard, but it's not. That is make a commitment to be unoffendable. It is possible. You can make a commitment that you're going to take the highway no matter what others do. You can rise above the riffraff and you can learn to love like Jesus loved. And I pray that for you in any situation that's come to your mind right now that you can be free to let it go. Let God's peace, let God's grace, let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all of that poison and that offense and and make a decision that, Lord, I'm going to go the highway. Holy Spirit will help you with that decision. So let's talk about takeaways from this week's episode. First of all, there's a momentum to the things of God. And momentum is mass times velocity, but it equals movement, forward motion. Second, there are things we can do to increase or decrease the momentum, both personally and corporately. Third, we are all going to experience betrayal at some point. It's what you do in it that matters. And fourth, offense is like poison. It hurts you more than those who hurt you. It will stop the movement of God in your life, and it will also affect your place and position in the church. So let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for Holy Spirit who strengthens us, who gives us revelation, and who empowers us to do the things that you've called us to do. Father, as my friends have heard this message today, and perhaps they have things in their heart that they are still holding, I ask you for grace, Lord God, that they can just be free and release those things, just like letting go of a helium balloon. Just release it up to you, Lord God, and let you be the vindicator and let you be the their defender and their protector. I thank you, Jesus, that as we do that, as we make just a decision to do that, that cleansing begins to work in our heart. It's like lancing an abscess and all of that infection and that poison comes out. And I thank you, Jesus, for your cleansing blood, your blood that has the ability to wash away every stain, every hurt. And Holy Spirit, the oil of your spirit that can put mending, can just soothe those wounds and can restore the things that have been broken. Thank you, Lord God, for helping my friends to release things from the past And thank you for making us strong in you so that we can go the highway. We can be part of your leaders who are removing obstacles and making a way for your presence, for the highway in the dry places. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thanks for joining me this week. I pray that you were blessed. And I know that if you prayed that prayer, God's going to set you free and you're going to be able to move forward again. So next week, I'm going to share the way that the Nepal came into my heart and into my ministry, and it's another God's story of how to hear and how to follow. So if this episode's blessed you, please do subscribe or share it with someone, and I just thank you for being willing to listen. I just enjoy so much spending time with you all. God bless you, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. 
It says, now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. It is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.